0: Hello, this is Pixelated Playgrounds, a gaming book club podcast discussing the art and craft of video games. I'm Brian Skersha, And I'm Clint Jones. And today we're talking about Resident Evil Village, developed and published by Capcom. It was released in May of 2021 for Windows, PS4 and 5, and the Xbox One, X, and S, as well as, who can forget, the Stadia. We're going to have to say that for a little bit while the Stadia still gets things, but I don't think it'll be for too much longer. (laughs) No,
1: probably not that's okay yeah so we've played a lot of these now haven't we brian i think i've played almost every single resident evil but you and i have both played uh two and seven
0: yeah, that's right. So uh, we, we've we played two and seven. Uh, Josh joined us for a couple of those. And um, I still want to play RE3 remake at this point. And uh, I'm intrigued to work my way back through the series after having so much fun with these recent outings. Although it seems to me that they're trying to sort of rebuild the series from the ground up after 7, and that honestly has been great for me. I've enjoyed all those outings.
1: I don't think you're going to have to go back and replay old games. I think they're going to keep re-releasing the good ones anyway. If they are going (laughs) the way they have been, you'll just be able to play new ones. So,
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe you can tell me a little bit about this, but I've heard a lot uh, in rumblings on the internet about how this is sort of like a soft remake of 4. You know, it it carries forward some of the spirit, Mm. but like adds a a sheen of good game design on top of it.
1: (laughs) Yeah, okay. We can definitely talk about that without diving too far in, but this game definitely has some DNA from uh, RE4 and it definitely carries over a lot of the DNA from RE7 too, which I liked both of those games. Now, RE4 is probably a huge gaming classic, right? If you played it at the time it came out, it was one of the best games on the GameCube, hands down. The problem being, GameCube had one uh yeah. so uh just by design of the controller there was no like running and gunning you had to stop in place and then aim stop and, and pop yeah and to try to play a game like that today it's just like it's impossible to play it and enjoy it it's it's just it's too old of a mechanic it just doesn't translate very well and it, and it makes it really hard so i hope they remake that like actually remake it just with better mechanics
0: Yeah, it's interesting because I know it seems like they were, or what I've understood is that they've tried to capture a lot of what made that game special with this game. And, you know, I never played it, but I certainly enjoyed uh, Resident Evil Village quite a bit. And what I found kind of fascinating about it is it was actually in development before RE7 had even come out. So they didn't know that they had had a hit on their hands with RE7, but they were making RE Village.
1: That's surprising. Yeah. So just to give you kind of an idea, I know you didn't you didn't play four, which is crazy because as much games as you play, I think <laughs> I think RE four was released on almost as many uh, consoles, if not more, than even uh, you know GTA five, which is you know insane. But um, it was way more action oriented. So the first, I would say, the first three Resident Evils were more like very limited resources when it comes to ammunition. Like you could do some combat, but it was like few and far between. This uh, was like totally opposite of that. You're running and gunning pretty much the whole time. So,
0: And and I think the interesting thing that Resident Evil Village does is it kind of spans the spectrum of that, right? Like you do get those slow puzzle areas, those um, high tension moments, but you also do get some action as, as we'll talk about as we progress. And I think it's really interesting how they connect those and blend them and don't make them feel jarring except for a few instances that I, I have in mind. Um, all in all, I really enjoyed it. I will have to say, uh,
1: I really loved RE4, I really loved RE7, but when they tried to put them together, I felt like I never knew, like, are we supposed to be running, are we supposed to be gunning, are we supposed to be hiding, what's supposed to be going on, and the signposting was bad, and I think I got frustrated a lot with just, like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing right now. Like, in RE7, you knew, like, you're supposed to be running, like, you can't do anything about these guys just you've got a gun, but it's there for looks like you run. So you're just in that mode and you're ready to go. Here, I never knew quite what they wanted me to do.
0: I'll agree with you that I think um, seven had a much more consistent sort of tone and feel and a more consistent type of horror it was going for. Whereas village, I think vacillated wildly between like various different horror tropes. And it tried to connect them. And I feel like it did a decent job at it. But um, maybe before we go into that and the overall areas, let's talk a little bit more about um, the the development and then the, the plot of the game. Um, one thing I found interesting is that the team for this game uh, did take a trip to Europe for inspiration, and they did so in the middle of a cold snap, which is why we're in a village in the middle of winter and not just, hmm. you know, a normal village. <laughs> so that wasn't their plan to begin with? I,
1: I think, honestly, the, the the cold, wintry village played into the horror even more like
0: totally yeah it's it's a desolate place and um one of the like real geographic locations that they used as inspiration was a castle in Romania called Pele's Castle which is the inspiration for Castle Dimitrescu which we'll get into and was one of my favorite areas of the game
1: without any spoilers I would have to agree that was by (laughs) far the best part of the game and I think it's what the game is known for If, if you see like it's what the demo was if anybody's ever talking about RE8, you're seeing Lady Dimitrescu and the castle. And that's what I thought it would be going in too, but I didn't realize there was going to be a wide variety of other things going on.
0: It is funny how she sort of became a meme as soon as they showed her, you know, like big vampire lady, uh, obviously <laughs> like took the internet by storm and, you know, with good reason, she's a very striking character. Um, most of the mods for this game have to do with putting her in various ridiculous outfits. Um, <laughs> I'm sure. I mean, that doesn't I mean, surprise me at all. Uh, nope. <laughs> I think that
1: if the uh, if if the team had saw the release of the game and then could go back and change anything, I think they would have put a, a heavier uh, leaning towards her and, and her part of the story than anything else. Because I, I think it was by far the most important part and, and the most enjoyable part for me.
0: Yeah, totally the most striking. But um, before we we go any further and we start talking about the the game as a whole, maybe we should set up the plot summary and give a blanket spoiler warning. We will spoil uh, the crap out of this game, so be prepared. And uh, if you haven't played it yet, it's a you know a quick maybe ten hour outing. I'd That's about what it. it took me. Yeah, yeah, I'd recommend it. So, what is Resident Evil Village? It's set three years after the events of Resident Evil Seven. Ethan Winters has been living with his wife, Mia, who you rescued during Resident Evil 7, and their six-month-old daughter, Rosemary, or Rose, when Chris Redfield, who uh, makes a very sudden appearance, guns down his wife in cold blood, and then they kidnap him and his daughter, bringing them to a mysterious village, although they're attacked on the way.
1: Yeah, that's about sums it up. So for those that haven't played the series, Chris Redfield is the main character from RE1, and five, I believe. Um, so he's supposed to be a good guy. So it's kind of like a "what the hell" moment when all of a sudden he kind of pops in as the antagonist. So,
0: yeah, he, he is uh, very much shown as like a doesn't give a shit mercenary, and he comes in basically steals your baby and knocks you out (laughs) and then you wake up in a snowfield. like it's uh it's a pretty jarring opening but like even before all that happens i got a lot of weird vibes in that little cottage you were living in in europe and they make a reference to the fact that ethan had been undergoing military training while he was there
1: (laughs) (laughs) i mean if all that shit happened to you that happened to him in re7 i think
0: i would have learned how to use a gun and a couple other things too so yeah sure i i guess like clearly like like chris made an appearance at the end of Mm re-72 right so these two have been acquainted you know clearly like redfield has maybe taken winters under his wing and like yeah brought him into like military training so that he could defend himself if some other shit goes down with you know all the craziness that resident evil entails i guess um but now he's, he's painted as sort of the antagonist uh, immediately off the bat although that doesn't last for long as you suddenly appear in a village overrun with uh lycanthropes werewolves for lack of a better word yeah wild. yeah
1: werewolves vampires creepy people fish people uh nick cage <laughs> like they're all there it's kind of hard to keep track of, of who the bad guy is in this game honestly
0: yeah, and I know you were talking to me when you were first going through this about how disorienting the first arrival at the village was, right? Because, yeah. you know, you go from sort of the domestic scene, and then all of a sudden you are very much sort of on the run from the lichens. Uh, the lichens are sort of the first, they're the zombies of this game, right? They're, they're there constantly, they're in uh, most of the areas, and they ser- sort, of, sort of serve as the standard enemy.
1: Yeah, for the most part I would say that's correct. They're they're kind of like the, the mold from the last game but just way more dangerous. Um the the hard part for me, that, that beginning area where I wasn't sure if I was supposed to be fighting or running or what. They give you a handgun and a shotgun. <laughs> and then, and then but but you don't realize you're supposed to be running like that's the signpost for every other Resident Evil game. Once you get the shotgun, you're supposed to be fighting. Right. And in this game, you get the shotgun, and then they're like, oh, actually, you're you're still a
0: piece of worthless shit. You can't do anything yet. You better run. I, I think the thing they do is they make the lichen so much more aggressive, right? Like, they are way more aggressive than the mold or the zombies yeah. in RE2, from my experience. Um, they just move a lot faster. They move a lot more sporadically and like they you know if two or three of them are there at once like you're running right like you're not going to be able to handle that unless you have a lot of shotgun ammo or an explosion explosive
1: and that's something you learn as you go through the game i found the beginning pretty frustrating because i didn't understand like we talked about earlier with the verbs like am i supposed to be running Am I supposed to be hiding they didn't really say anything they gave me a whole bunch of guns but didn't tell me that i'm still <laughs> supposed to be running like that, that made maybe stall out a couple times at the beginning of the game but once you get past that it starts to hit a stride
0: Yeah, it definitely seems to have a different language. um, Or at least it just speaks in many different languages compared to the other ones. Um, It it definitely doesn't have that consistent tone or consistent like you're on the run, you know, it it expects you to sort of go back and forth between the offense and the defense or um, maybe it's just not as clear at signposting, like you said, but all that is to say, during the whole first section after arriving at the village, you're basically running and running and running until you're captured. <laughs> and that's where you meet the the four lords and ladies, and they are all creepy as fuck.
1: Yeah, and this is where I feel like we lacked, again, I hate to keep bringing this up, but some of the cohesion of RE7. RE7 did a similar thing, like, uh, I can't remember their
0: name the bakers.
1: Yeah, the baker family. All right, so you're immediately introduced to the baker family, kind of like you're introduced to these guys here. And I feel like they had like more of a cohesive thing and you knew like what each one of them was about. So you knew kind of what to expect when you got into their quote-unquote area to deal mm. with them. These guys were just so like mismatched. I feel like I just didn't understand who was who and what what they were all about and I didn't understand what was going to happen. So,
0: to be fair, that initial introduction of them was very fleeting, right? Like basically yes. you meet them and lady the large vampire lady uh is saying she should get you know get to keep you because she's you know the oldest or the most respected or something uh then donna Beneviento or Beneviento, the creepy doll lady comes in and she you know basically just makes <laughs> her doll talk or make a joke or something i didn't know what to make of her <laughs> <laughs> yeah and then Salvatore moreau the fish boy um comes in and he's just sort of a creepy merman who's sorry about himself uh but then finally the the kicker carl heisenberg uh who is basically magneto crossed with nicholas cage um <laughs> is the one who like makes the best case that he should put you through some sort of gauntlet immediately
1: i think it's so funny that you had that in your notes because my notes say the exact same thing like uh wtf
0: dickhead nick cage Question mark? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, he's he's a great character. Um, Although he's like, I don't know. I feel like his character overacts the shit out of it and is basically just channeling Nick Cage the whole time, which is funny. I'll give it that.
1: Yeah, but that's not what this... Actually, I think he was the weakest character and they spent way too much time on him. And I think that is one of the biggest sins of this game outside of the poor signposting is just spending the wrong amount of time with the wrong characters... But yeah, we'll get,
0: like, we'll get to that. You're right. It's very clear they wanted Heisenberg to come out of this as like the main antagonist. And it just, you know, <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. <laughs> didn't, I didn't cared about
1: Heisenberg there. less than Moreau, which is pretty sad because Moreau is the saddest boy around.
0: Yeah. And I, I think you can see that, you know, once we get to his section, we'll probably both have some harsh things to say. But let's let's start at the start, work through cr- chronologically and um, I guess talk about um the next area once you escape from this sort of initial introduction of the the four lords as they're called very dark souls-esque by the way where they're introducing the four lords at the top yeah Um, (laughs) (laughs) kind of the art style a little bit too honestly yeah it really is it's very gothic um you know it it does uh have the same sort of vibe but yeah you're you're immediately thrust back into the village and your goal is to make your way into castle dimitrasque to recover your daughter they they say that her or her essence is there. Um, more about that later, but that is the home of Lady Dimitrescu and her three daughters.
1: Yeah, honestly, I thought that was the whole game, and I was <laughs> totally fine with that. Honestly, uh, so Dimitrescu is is there, this giant eight-foot uh, vampire lady, and then she has these three creepy daughters. This reminded me very much of, like, Dracula. Dracula is, like, one of my favorite books to read around this time of year. I love the... I love that book. But anyway... Dracula lives in his castle and he has his three brides. And I'm like, they're trying to do like something just like that. And Mm -hmm. I was so down with it, but then that part only lasted for what an hour or two. Maybe.
0: I think, I think that was probably the longest I'd say once you make it through castle Dimitrescu, it was the first third of the game by my rough estimation. Yeah.
1: Okay. Maybe that's fair. Yeah. Regardless, I felt like it was done too soon, but maybe that's because I was enjoying it a lot. I think that was probably my favorite area and, and my favorite villain, for sure, because you understood what she was about, and she was imposing, and it, that was very Resident Evil for me.
0: Yeah, so uh, she basically, once you are once you find her, she functions similarly to, uh, what's the name of the guy that chases you around in um, oh, RE2? They, Mr. X. Uh, yeah, mis- Mr. X. The uh,
1: Tyrant, they call him all sorts of things but yeah basically the tyrant from from the third one
0: yeah yeah so he she basically is treated like that and she sort of stalks around the castle i don't particularly think she works as sort of like the patrolling enemy because she's too big she can't fit through all the doors it just it didn't work as well as uh mr x or or whoever the the person from re2 was i actually liked it better like it wasn't as annoying yeah like she was always like
1: in the back of your mind, like, oh, shit, she could be right there. Um, and it was enough to, like, make you second guess, like, am I taking the fastest route? How do how do I get out of this if she pops through that door over there? Which she often did, um, but not so much that it was annoying. And I feel like Tyrant almost rode that line a little bit more towards annoying.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I think the fact that, like, there are some clear safe areas in this, in this one work well. Like, Lady D which I will start to uh, <laughs> uh, abbreviate at this point for my own sanity. Um, she she makes, uh, she's very imposing, but uh, she basically will continue to sort of stalk around and, and be a, a, a hindrance and sort of a blood pumping action between encounters with her three daughters, which is what you're basically trying to do is work your way through, eliminate her three daughters and find um, the way out out of the front of the castle to the, uh, I believe it was a mausoleum or something along those lines, right? Yeah. For a minute, I thought I was gonna have to find her, her uh, coffin and kill her in there. Uh, Like a whole Dracula thing. Sure. Yeah, I hear you. That would have been cool.
1: I felt like that's what they were going for. Uh, And it got close. But I, again, I really enjoyed this area. I like that she wasn't overly aggressive either. Like when she found you, she like almost like, taunted you and, like, played, like, because she knows you're stuck in her castle. You got nowhere to go, and she's gonna kill you. Just
0: Yeah, she has all the time in the world. She's an immortal vampire. Yeah. So And I love how opulent this castle was. Like, it was by far the most visually striking area of the game, for me, at least. And um, it reminded me a lot of the police station museum of RE2 remake, in that like, it was obviously a very fake area. Like, there's no such thing as a police station slash museum in real life. And likewise... (laughs) in a completely dilapidated village, there's probably not an like incredibly opulent castle lording over it, uh, inhabited by a vampire. It was very hyper-real, and I, I enjoyed that a lot about it.
1: Agree. Yep, it was its strongest strongest foot forward, I would say.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, they definitely put the, the first boss... Uh, it drew me in the most. Um, and it capped off with definitely... probably the most interesting, or maybe not the most interesting, but at the very least, the most visually stunning boss fight because as you make your way to the top of the castle uh, Lady D is not just a big vampire lady because when she gets stressed out she transforms into a dragon (laughs) (laughs) even worse somehow
1: I feel like that's been like the mode especially with re7 and now to eight we're dealing with what we would call the mold right every every bad guy isn't the bad guy he's an eight foot tall or an eight eight story building something right like it turns into something massive and crazy at the end
0: yeah everyone every baddie is not just a baddie they're like a lovecraftian horror, you know just in a shell
1: some kind of fucked-up Transformer, basically. <laughs>
0: yeah, yeah, pretty much. They're, like, Lovecraftian Transformers. Yeah. Um, totally agree. And, you know, I'm, I'm kind of here for it. I think it's more effective for some characters than others. Let's just say it worked for Lady D, who was already such a, like, you know, she was already imposing. The fact that she could transform into a vampire kind of comes with the territory, right? We've seen Dracula do it um, in the, the Castlevania series. Makes sense here. So, eventually, upon her defeat, you emerge into an altar... And you see a vial and you take that vial. And then when you get back to the town center, the Duke, who is another big person, uh, you know, a giant, for lack of a better word, uh, and is your merchant, explains to you that that vessel contains the crystallized remains of the head of your daughter, which is horrifying. Yeah. And oddly, Ethan
1: doesn't freak out nearly as much as I would have expected, which means he's seen way too much in his lifetime already. And when the guy tells him he can put her back together, he's like, okay, I feel like there should have been more
0: questions. <laughs> that, that's, a, that's a great point. Like, you can put her back together. It's like, okay, we're, we're talking like Humpty Dumpty now? Like, what is this? <laughs> I mean, he, he really is like the most credulous Rube ever. He's just like, all right, I'll take that at face value and move on.
1: <laughs> I've seen some weird shit. This tracks. All right, next.
0: <laughs> yeah. And we didn't even talk about the fact that like, you know, as parents ourselves, like the game... Uh, doing, like, child kidnapping and stuff right at the top is, you know, inherently, like, a, you know, a very, like, affecting thing. Like, it's not dealing in light subject matter right from the start. But Yeah, this hits harder now than it would have before, I think. Yeah, totally. But, you know, it's still, I mean, this game is, these Resident Evil games are so campy, like, it's hard to take almost anything super seriously, However, you know, th- those types of, I guess, for lack of a better word, tropes do hit harder than they used to, even if they're cloaked in a veil of incredibly campy and crazy stuff. <laughs>
1: yeah. Speaking of which, I think we already talked about this kind of that next area. Mm, uh, yes. Which is leaning heavily into what I would call uh, Eastern horror,
0: like baby kid horror, like, you know, like the creepy babies. Creepy babies, uh, creepy dolls. Uh, you're yeah. talking about House Beneviento, which is um, the house of Donna Beneviento, the creepy doll lady. And yeah, this this to me was the scariest part of the game.
1: Yeah, but for different reasons. So the first part was scary because you have some like... You have a stalker. Yeah, a stalker. This, this was just, I would say, creepy as shit. That's just like, it, it creeped me out. Like the kind of horror that just like has your you know your hair the hairs on your arms standing up that's what it was for me
0: a lot of really disturbing imagery of dolls and you know disturbingly placed dolls things that aren't there and then you turn around and they're there um jump scares for lack of a better word and then very frightening imagery of like babies yeah that
1: b- weird
0: dead baby in the, the basement yeah, the, the weird yeah. baby golem the- <laughs>
1: I was so pissed I got down the elevator and I saw that I I like went to open a cabinet and then I saw finally I'm like I can close this cabinet drawer that's not normally how this goes and I was like realizing like oh wait a minute I'm gonna have to hide in these things like alien isolation aren't I I like (laughs) knew it was coming and I was already pissed I'm like
0: please no. Yeah, that that is always a a really scary thing, is like wondering if they'll find you. And they use lighting super well in this section. Like when the baby monster appears, the lighting goes off in the basement. And then when you go back up to the area you, you were before, it's dark red, right? And they just have very oppressive darkness and red lighting. And you know that there's danger around literally every corner, and it's just... I really hope I'm going to choose the right corner to turn down to avoid that danger. <laughs> yeah, they used sound. You talked about light, but
1: they also used sound very well. Almost in the basement, it was more about what you were hearing, but couldn't see, but knew was around the court. Like you know, you know, some shits happening. You don't know where it is
0: or what's going on, and it was almost worse that way because of the sound design. So totally, like this this area, I think, does sort of psychological tension and suspense and like dread the best of any part of the game. And I think yeah, this this is what I think I would get at with this game having like a few different types of horror in it, right? Like you have the overpowering enemy hunting you down horror in Castle Dimitrescu. You have the danger around every corner, tension and dread in House uh, Beneviento. And we're still going to get to more different types of horror as we go. But it's, it's really nice how they do that. And they connect it with the village, which is um, werewolf club. horror. Yeah, the, yeah, and it's a werewolf horror, right? Like, werewolf horror sort of serves as the the binder to all of these different types of horror. You get to experience the one type of horror, and it transitions you to the other type of horror. It's it's really interesting how they do that.
1: Well, the, I think the cool thing about it, too, is that in the hub, uh, violence is your verb. Like, you are supposed to fight back in the hub, right? So every a lot of times when you go to, like, these spoke areas, like uh, the castle, you're mainly running away. Hmm. Then you you feel helpless for a long time. Then you come back, and then you get to be a badass for a minute, killing you know lichens or whatever. And then you have to go to Beneviento and be a you know a helpless, little, yeah. sc- scaredy cat again. And then you <laughs> when you get tired of that, you come back and you get to fight again. I think it like serves as a good like back and forth. Every good it's not even scary games, but just every good action game has moments of of uh, exploration and then moments of action, and it's the back and forth that makes it a good game.
0: Yeah, the ebb, the ebb and flow of your your sort of place on the power curve. Uh, before we move on to Beneviento or move on from Beneviento, I want to mention that they do disempower you as soon as you enter by taking away all of your weapons. And it's revealed later on that as you made your way through there, the entire thing was sort of a gigantic <laughs> psychedelic trip.
1: Yeah, you were just tri- tripping balls the whole time you're in there pretty much.
0: Yeah, which makes sense given how, like, fantastic the lighting and the imagery and the monsters and everything in there was, really. Um, but it was really great at the end where, like, everything became sort of fuzzy and hazy in the lighting as you reemerged to the upper stories. And you could tell something was off. It was very dreamlike. And then, yeah, you emerge from that trip having killed the uh, Donna Beneviento, and that section is over.
1: Yeah, you think you're... What you think is you stabbing this little uh, creepy doll in the head, you like kind of come to as you're stabbing the lady in the face with a pair of scissors. It's quite jarring. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) That's that's what, man, RE7 really dove headfirst into the body horror, and they really didn't pull back at all
0: in RE8. We didn't talk about the best moment of body horror. Uh, from my perspective in this game, which is back in Castle Dimitrescu, which is when you go to pull a switch (laughs) down, and um, your hand, you see a flash, and suddenly your hand is still there, but your arm falls down, and you realize that Lady Dimitrescu has just sliced clean through your wrist, and your hand is just sitting there holding on to the the lever. Yeah, and you have (laughs) to
1: pull your arm, which is pulling the lever to open it and then you collect your hand
0: as if it was an item you found on the floor and take it with you yep it's great later later you just reattach it with a little bit of you know mushroom potion magic and off you go which sounds
1: insane (laughs) but they actually explain it away which at the end i was like okay that makes sense i guess
0: i i am you know i didn't like in that moment, you're kind of conditioned to not notice that because your first and foremost op- obstacle is get away from Lady D. Like she is coming for you. It is very yeah. dire. This <laughs> Think is the closest about it later. <laughs> order. Yeah, you're you're literally trapped in like a very small room. Let's just put it that way. Yeah.
1: She big room small. Get out fast. That's basically it.
0: Yeah, get get out of there. But at any rate, um back into uh, to our adventure as it was, we uh we made our way out of House Beneviento. We went back to to the village and now at this point like you've got more tools under your belt so you can start to sort of do a few little side quests. And I do like that they sort of mix this in and they let you go back to the village and do things like find the crank and the well lever and some keys and open new areas and get new items and maybe hunt some animals, which is a weird thing that they added into this game.
1: I mean, it worked. Uh and you're right. It it almost it was a good distraction and honestly Resident Evil games, if nothing else, if they don't have a common through line, it's all about resource management and and building up over time so you can take on that that big challenge at the end. So it, it all fit, especially since you haven't played it. It was very Resident Evil 4 in, in that respect. But okay, w- one thing I think they did very well that a lot of games don't do well is the map. Uh, because it's all about finding every little bit of resource you can, as you go, like you'll go in a building and it'll turn red. Basically red is you're not done exploring this yet. You could probably find some more stuff here. And then slowly you turn the map blue, like as Mm -hmm. you fully explore and get everything. I thought it was a good touch because it really had me going back to a lot of previous areas going like, okay, what could I have missed? Like really digging in and trying to find that stuff. So
0: super good addition to the resident evil series in my opinion like I don't know how I would function in these games without knowing that I've, I found all the things I need to find I do think they could be a little more clear about what it is you're missing is it something like necessary for advancement or is it just a power-up um you know is it I know a lockpick <laughs> that's hiding underneath a, a <laughs> potted
1: plant somewhere right yeah.
0: <laughs> yeah I don't necessarily need to know that maybe you make it yellow or something I don't know um but you know that's neither here nor there I think it's it's already a really great quality of life improvement from the older iterations of these games, and I'm not gonna gonna knock it for sure. As we were saying though, um, after you emerge from Benevento, your next target is the reservoir. You had recovered a key that will allow you to open a gate to go to the part of the village that leads to this large re- reservoir next to the village where uh, Salvatore Moreau is known to reside. Yep, the
1: obligatory sewer or swamp area of every (laughs) horror game ever. Here we go.
0: That's right. We just talked about this with Pumpkin Jack, and here we are. We're back in the swamp. Um, I think this area is really interesting because it doesn't have any mobs. There's just one enemy, really, and it's Moreau, uh, and, and the large sort of creature that resides in the, the reservoir.
1: Yeah, for the most part, there are some lichens when you're trying to get into the boat, but yeah, once you get out there, it's just you guys. Mm-hmm. And there, not to keep pointing back, but there's a very similar, very similar, actually, uh, boss fight in RE4, where you're, hmm. you actually do the fight on a boat and you have to fight the giant monster that way out in the middle of a lake. So this was very reminiscent of that. I feel like they were harkening back to that.
0: I do like how Resident Evil like bosses sort of take all these different forms. Like they could be vampires, they could be werewolves, they could be giant animals. They could be, you know, eldritch horrors. Like it's all all the different horror gets pulled in and it's really neat.
1: Yeah, it wasn't always that way. Like it used to just be uh, Zombies and zombies are fine and they're fun, but we have a million zombie games now, so it is cool to see that they've like changed and allowed themselves. Like you said, last one was about creepy people in a Louisiana swamp, and now we're doing vampires and werewolves. That's pretty sweet.
0: (laughs) Yeah, it's definitely true. It feels like they were like, "Hey, y'all like Castlevania too, right?" (laughs) We we could do that. (laughs) No, and it's true. I do love Castlevania, so um, this this one hit for me. Um, but Moreau as a character is. Just super pathetic. Like, he's very much a mama's boy seeking um, Lady Miranda's approval. Um, The game, interestingly, inverts the structure of, of the area by giving you the rose vial right away, but then trapping you in the area until you can find a way out. Yeah,
1: because Moreau is so sad, you manage to steal the thing away from him before you even fight him. Again, it's just leaning into how pathetic and sad he is, but you almost feel bad for him.
0: Yeah, he is probably the most pathetic of the characters. Like, there's nothing redeeming about him morally, but he is still just pathetic. Um, It's a great series, though, as you go through the sort of swampy area that the reservoir is in, and there's a collapsing village over a lake, and there's a Leviathan creature chasing you throughout it. Um, It's pretty awesome, and it leads to a pretty impressive boss battle, too.
1: I will say this was leaning in towards the less impressive of the areas, but they did do a good job in not making it last too long. Like they could have really drugged this out. Yeah, it was short. It was mostly exploration and puzzling, which was fun. And then cap, like you said, capped off with a pretty epic boss fight. I will say the boss fight seemed really, uh, I think I only died once. It seemed really daunting, but once you worked it out, it really wasn't so bad.
0: Yeah. I don't know that I actually died on it, but I I was playing on normal. I don't know if you, you played on a harder difficulty, but, um, I uh I agree and I think like for all of the this game sins that it creates most of the areas that I either didn't like or was getting impatient with ended up not lasting that long. So I think this game sort of defeats some of the slower portions of it by by at least making them be brief, <laughs> until of course we get to the next Aha. area, which uh... the next one, which I had no <laughs>
1: yeah. patience for whatsoever. It starts with a monologue with this Carl Heisenberg guy, and I was immediately like, I don't, I don't care about this.
0: I do want to mention one thing before we go to Heisenberg's factory, though, is they do have this brief aside where you go to the stronghold, which is the home of the lichens, and it just becomes a cover shooter for <laughs> for a minute. <laughs> oh man, I just
1: ran. I got to a point where I literally couldn't, and again, this is just hearkening back to what we talked about before. Like, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing. Am I supposed to be running? Am I supposed to be fighting? Like, it's not clear. And then it's Mm -hmm. not clear until you're completely out of bullets and they're still, you know, coming out of the woodwork that, no, I should have been running 96 bullets ago and I can't ever recover from this. So I would just let myself (laughs) die and try again because there's no way, even if I got out, I'd be
0: screwed. I I did that after a while too, and I definitely did a restart from checkpoint once I realized what I actually needed to be doing in the stronghold. Um, I think, you know, this area was like, it was a sort of a run and gun plus a boss battle. And it was very much like a little aside before they get you to the main course, which, as you said, was Heisenberg's factory. Yeah, this was just, I think, a miss too. Like, They talked about the
1: four lords, but then there's this guy, the Urias guy. Like how does he fit into any of this? They never really (laughs) explain it. He's clearly an important person that's in charge of all the lichens, maybe, but they like he comes comes up multiple times, he's a big boss fight, but then I don't even understand how he fits into the story.
0: Yeah, but the lichens seem like just sort of a neutral faction between all of the other lords, right? Like, there's all the, there's these four lords. There's Miranda over everything, and then the lichens just sort of seem like there, like they're the air that everyone else breathes. <laughs> they don't yeah, seem to care.
1: I think I read in one of the, like the little excerpts later on that when they were trying to turn people into things, the, basically the lichens were the failed experiments that most things turned into.
0: Hmm, basically, interesting. Yeah, I guess that tracks. There's by far the most of them by volume, so to speak. Yeah. But as you were saying, the, the fourth and final area um, is Heisenberg's factory, and, and he's sort of taunting you immediately as you come out of the, the Moreau Reservoir and you know pointing you towards the stronghold. He sees you fight, and then he's like, all right, now you've earned your, your chance. Come to the factory and see me. I'm trying to decide if he was written poorly or acted poorly.
1: I think with a better <laughs> actor it would have been more effective right he again he was campy dickhead nick cage like it just like it it didn't frighten me it didn't bother me he just annoyed me and that i that just doesn't work for the main bad guy
0: i agree but i think part of this has to do with ethan's reaction to him Because Ethan, all of a sudden at this point, gets this ridiculously irrational confidence in his writing. So, like, (laughs) you have dickhead Magneto Cage uh, taunting you as you make your way through this factory, but then you also have Ethan Winters who suddenly thinks he's James Bond. He's like, I can do this on my own. (laughs) Screw you, man. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it's just like, okay, wait, what? And the interesting thing about Heisenberg, from my perspective, is he hates Miranda. He hates his, you know, basically the person who gave him his power, the mother, you know, the, the... Ruling force of this area. He hates her and is trying to uh, mount a revolution against her by basically constructing a bunch of cyber zombies in his gigantic, I guess, like leftover Nazi factory.
1: Yeah, it's like a <laughs> old uh, tank factory from World War II. Basically, this read to me like uh, Wolfenstein, basically.
0: And honestly, the visuals in this area were pretty stunning. Like, if you look out over the chasm where all of the like, you know uh, zombies are sort of going up and down on their various conveyor belts and being turned into cybernetic horrors like it's pretty crazy and it's very it reminded me a lot of like the underground in portal 2 yeah
1: that was very a very striking and very cool area i just uh, it was too long
0: <laughs> it was way too long
1: it was too long and i didn't like i i just didn't like the bad guy not like didn't like him like i wanted to beat him like didn't like like i just didn't care i just wanted to be done and, and i feel like if if they'd have written him better or he'd been acted better it would have totally changed things
0: it's clear they wanted this to be the cherry on top but the castle no. was the cherry on top for this game unfortunately
1: but- it came first and that, <laughs> honestly I, I think it degraded over time its best right. stuff was the stuff that showed up at the beginning and it just slowly got worse
0: yeah, yeah, I kind of agree. Like, if I were to rank these areas in order of appearance, I would definitely go Castle, Dollhouse, Reservoir, um, yeah, Factory. Like, that—that that is the straight order. They just get worse as, the, as it goes. <laughs> yeah,
1: and not, not to say that they don't have uh, defining moments or things that aren't fun in all those areas. It's just some of them overstay their welcome. Some of the writing wasn't as good as others. And some of it just, I didn't know if it was just me, but like like I said, the, the factory just didn't hit home with me. Like every other one had like some kind of horror that it did and it did it very well. Like I don't love the kind of horror that was in the dollhouse, but they did it very well. Um, I don't know what this was trying to do.
0: Yeah, I think it was, I think at this point, Resident Evil was sort of indulging in its own like lore and politics, right? Like, they were trying to set up something that could be interesting from the internal universe's perspective. Like, what's Heisenberg's place in this thing? And it turns out it doesn't matter because he ends up getting murked because Chris (laughs) Redfield shows up and gives you a fucking tank.
1: Yeah, this somehow (laughs) ends in a mech battle because. The most, or the least Resident Evil thing I've ever seen, we end it in a giant mech battle.
0: I actually disagree with that because they give you a tank in a game that's famous for its first entry having tank controls. So I would say that's actually very Resident Evil. (laughs) Um, But yeah, you're right. Like, I, the funny thing about Heisenberg boss battle is he's Magneto. He does cool things with metal. And basically they throw that out the window and turn him into like a giant metal... Eldcraft or eldritch horror instead, and yeah, I don't know. i just didn't really like take advantage of the character, as weak as you said he was. I thought he was at least sort of interesting, but they kind of just threw everything out the window for his boss battle.
1: Yeah, honestly, I hated everything about him. I hated the fact that they called him Heisenberg, and he even had the stupid <laughs> glasses in the hat, like just a straight rip off of Breaking Bad. And then, <laughs> and then his writing was bad, his acting was bad, and I, I just like. I would have skipped this entirely for another shot at the castle.
0: The interesting thing is, is, you know, once we get the reveal that um, Lady Miranda can can shapeshift, they could have done that pretty easily, actually. (laughs) Yeah, like, actually, that wasn't the vampire
1: at all. You got to do it all over again.
0: Right. Yep. But um, anyway, so once we I I guess we can move on from from Heisenberg, right? We're, We're done shit talking him.
1: Yeah, he's dead. We're we're good. He's dead. He's <laughs> gone.
0: So after you you are done with your tank battle with um with Heisenberg, uh Lady Miranda or Lady Miranda appears and immediately rips Ethan Winter's heart out and kills him.
1: Which I thought was interesting because he's been dismembered so many times and walked away that the only way they could be like this is definitively him dying is her ripping his heart out and then just crushing, crushing it. Yeah like okay that seems like you probably couldn't walk away from that anything less and i'd be like ah, he's fine
0: and they they sell it by immediately booting you into uh the call of duty mission in this game which is uh the curse of redfield chapter so you are now Redfield and you are parachuting into the absolute shit show that has become of this village. Thanks to Ethan Winters. And you're going on a call of duty mission to nuke the core of the fungus that the creepy uh, fetus. Yes. The creepy fetus core of the fungus <laughs> that is infecting this village. So, uh, you know, here's the thing about this section. It, it totally, totally mismatches the entire rest of the game. It is basically a call of duty miss- mission mission. But I am impressed with how far they could stretch this combat system to make it work.
1: I actually didn't hate it. I feel like this was the payback. Like, you've just seen a character that you've spent a lot of time with between 7 and 8 die. Yeah. And now, <clears throat> it, it almost like put an exclamation point on how dedicated Ethan really was. Right. Because it when, you're, when you go in as Chris, it's a lot easier when you go and prepared. Ethan yeah. was just willing to walk in with a fucking pocket knife and take on vampires and and right. werewolves for his daughter. And it just shows you like how how underpowered he really was and, and how like the crazy odds that were against you, I guess
0: yeah it's absolutely true and you know as ethan you slowly do build up your loadout between like a pistol and then a shotgun and then you get a sniper rifle which is actually pretty good and you know they do let you get more powerful in this game you have a bigger inventory you know ethan ends up pretty formidable but as soon as you boot in as chris redfield you have a machine gun with literally hundreds of rounds of ammo and a ton of grenades and you are just going to town on things
1: it just makes you wonder what if the prepared people came first it all would have been <laughs> over in 10 minutes.
0: Yeah, basically. But um, I don't know. I guess Ethan just sort of had to do his thing first. And at any rate, you make your way through the village as as Chris. You do a big sort of horde mode battle, and then you plant the N2 mine, a nuke, at the heart of the infection, the, the spore, and... Uh, then you gotta get out of dodge. Uh, apparently, with Mia, who is just been in a cage the whole time. I guess I don't know. That was a weird reveal. Yeah, why not? Uh,
1: <laughs> I mean, if you follow any of the stories in, in Resident Evil two closely, it just gets convoluted and weird. It's it's that's it's just the framework for why you're doing the thing. Just don't think about it too much. <laughs> yeah,
0: basically, at, at that point, like Redfield evacuates with Mia. Mine is planted and then you're cut back to Ethan.
1: Somehow. Dear God, he's still not dead. Yeah. Hey, I, I, <laughs> I don't even want to spoil this. Let's just say there is an actual logical reason why... I we just
0: gotta spoil it. We just gotta tell... Massive spoiler warning right here. Let's just, let's just do it.
1: Fair enough. Alright, you've been dead the whole fucking time. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Which makes so- <laughs> sense, because you've just been putting your arms back on with medical tape pretty much since the beginning of re7 right. basically you you died in the first three minutes of resident evil 7 and you've been dead ever since
0: yeah and this is this is revealed to you basically as soon as you you boot back uh by the by the duke i think right or is it miranda either way um yeah duke brings you back so that you can duke it out with miranda duke it out. yeah so duke is uh the the impetus for duking there and um So basically, you know how I mentioned uh, Miranda is able to mimic other people? She was mimicking Mia. That's why she was gunned down in your cottage. Turns out you are basically just a mimicry bioweapon embodying Ethan Winters. You know, you're basically just a mold man now. You've been dead since Louisiana. And the reason all of this happened is because the daughter of Ethan and Mia, Rose, is thought to be the perfect vessel for the reincarnation of Miranda's daughter, Ava, who was killed by the spanish flu years ago oh my god nobody's
1: still following this we weren't following it either basically you you made a powerful mold baby because you've been dead forever and now some creepy lady wants it
0: that's it good summary good summary uh creepy creepy lady wants mold baby and that's the (laughs) impetus for the game but ethan being the great dad he is will not allow it to happen and so you have the epic boss battle between Uh, mold grandma and mold dad and uh, over mold baby (laughs) (laughs) over mold baby and uh, mold dad wins and stays behind to detonate the nuke to ensure that uh, mold grandma stays dead once and for all Um, at the end of all of this craziness me and rose are safe chris is leaving for uh, the hq of his paramilitary organization bsaa which i still have no clue what the fuck that is (laughs) and uh, (laughs) i don't know and ethan uh is dead or so sure, you think? <laughs> I mean,
1: okay, we've been multiply dismembered. We've had our heart ripped out and squashed. Will a nuke kill him? Maybe. I, do. yeah, I
0: don't know. We'll find out, I guess, in the next episode of Dragon Ball Z. <laughs> oh my god, <laughs> he's ne- never, never dead. Yeah. So, so that's where the story ends. There's a lot of interesting stuff that sort of was brought to light in this game, and I don't know if any of it's going to pay off. Like, at this point, we're at the end of what I understand is the Resident Evil timeline, and there's a scene at the very end with Rose as a teenager um, in an indeterminate amount of time in the future. And, yeah, that that's basically where it stops.
1: It's hard to say where they go from this, but they also do a lot of kicking back and forth between timelines or characters, too. Like, this was the first time in a while that we've seen two entries in a row about the same character. So, like, the first game was about Chris. second game was about Leon. third game was about... Oh, I forget her name. Anyway, on to four, back to Leon. Claire? Five. Uh, no, you're right. I, th- I think it's Claire who was chris's sister and then you're back to leon back to chris and then six was a mess we're not going to talk about and then seven (laughs) and eight were both two in a row about ethan so i'd be interested to see if maybe they just do more bouncing around afterwards
0: well they said the father's story is over at the very end of resident evil 8 right like that's the ending like the ending the end screen is the father's story is over and then you know they allude to the fact that um Rose has powers and, you know, I don't know. Are we going to get to play as Rose as some like creepy mold daughter? I don't know. I
1: mean, this series has a way of continuously escalating to the point where it can't maintain a good game and then it completely resets like that's what Resident Evil six was that was like crazy all out insanity and everybody hated it. And they're like, this is not resident evil at all. So then they went back to seven where you were completely helpless all over again. So I wonder if we're diving into bad territory. We'll we'll wait and see if they've learned their lesson or a lot.
0: We're getting ready for the nadir of the, the trilogy of (laughs) seven, eight and nine. All right. Can't wait. Um, (laughs) I mean, Hey, here's the thing though. is like, I feel like I enjoyed RE village more than seven. Um, I don't know if that's just because like, all of this is sort of new for me as like a non-Resident Evil lifer but I uh I thought this was a fun game and it was breezy enough that like even the worst parts didn't overstay their welcome for me you know
1: most most Resident Evil games are like that I think that most of them like cap out at at a nine or ten hours and they all have like speed run things where you could do the whole game in three hours if you wanted to pretty much
0: yeah and it does feel like once you kind of know what's going on like you know what to look for you know the strategy like here's they also have new game plus i feel like this would be a fun game to do new game plus especially since they unlock like new weapons for you basically right before the last boss and i did not want to spend the money to upgrade a brand new weapon or take a chance on it so i just stuck with what i had and upgraded the crap out of that instead so i don't know like maybe there's something there for me in new game plus i don't think i'll do it but at least it, I know it's there if I ever felt like it.
1: Yeah, a lot of times too, once you complete, they give you like special things like infinite ammo or whatever. Like if you complete a challenge, they give you
0: something crazier
1: so you can take on a, an even crazier challenge.
0: Kind yeah, of thing, so. a new difficulty level or something like that. And yeah, I, I do appreciate that this game is continuing to just bury its head up its own ass with its lore. Like the fact that the umbrella logo somehow comes from this village. And you (laughs) see it on, like, the wall of the crypt under the castle. (laughs) And they even,
1: like, retcon explain it away right there at the end. They're like, I don't know, read this note, and this will explain
0: everything, I guess. And you're
1: like, okay, sure.
0: Yeah, like, apparently the mold that infected Miranda was found by the guy that founded umbrella, and it helped him invent the T-virus, which is what made all those zombies. It's just, it's totally wild. And, like, I'm basically reading all this off wikis, just only knowing about 50% of the actual source material. And... Um, it's interesting to me from that perspective as just like a, a lore nerd. You've, you've heard me talk about literature scrolls. You get this, but you know, it's obviously just some, some bullshit, but it's fun. <laughs> it is.
1: <laughs> it's, it it's, it's eye roll, but it's also kind of fun. Um, yeah. and it is fun to see how they explain the crazy stuff that they put on screen and, and how they explain it away. So absolutely. I kind of wanted to talk about Duke and how funny he was. I mean, he's a 450 pound man that's stuck on his cart, but it was just funny. Like, you'd walk into a room and then you'd, like, everything in this game is about sound. And then all of a sudden, you just hear him, like, stop breathing and be like, oh shit. Like, he'd, like, wake himself up. I'm like, did he just die of a heart attack? What just happened over there? (laughs) Like, (laughs) he was, he was, like, unintentional, or
0: maybe he was intentional, like, comic relief. I don't know. I think Duke was pretty great. And, uh, you know, obviously he was a great, uh, you know, he was necessary for like the mechanical advancement of the game but he also was like I-, I couldn't tell if he was real or not because like you said he appeared in the most unlikely places his cart was already there there's no way you got him and any of that shit into this room based on the size of the doors so <laughs> <No>. <laughs> he's bigger than miranda just outwards instead of upwards that's what i'm wondering is like is he a manifestation of ethan winter's like mold mind that's allowing him to get these items and weapons, you know, like that, that's all I can bring to it. I guess it's not clear to me that he's even real.
1: No. And for a moment, I don't know if you remember RE7, but the, the grandma that you always just took for granted, who was always just sitting around, she was the, the main, uh, bad guy Anime the whole time. Yeah. <laughs> I was waiting for Duke to turn into that at the end, but then he did not. So.
0: Yeah, totally. I, Uh, Oh, the funny thing about that is, is they did pull the same trick this game, like there's the crone that you saw for the entire first portion of the game, she'd appear in random spots. And it turned out that she was Lady Miranda, just appearing to you to sort of taunt you and lead you along the way. Um, They kind of abandoned it,
1: though, you see her twice. And that's kind of the end of that. It's just one of those another one of those ideas that just I feel like didn't get fleshed out. I'm wondering, so this came out at the beginning of 2021, I'm wondering if these guys had big plans and we talked about how this game just kind of like tapered off at the end. I wonder if uh, pandemic and, and problems like that just led to them just kind of like abandoning later parts of the game. Cause I really feel like there was a lot of care
0: put into the beginning and it slowly tapered <clears throat> off. I agree. And I think like there's an opportunity for maybe like the stronghold or something like that to have originally been thought of as uh lady Miranda's you know place and like there would be a much more expanded version of that area where you eventually confront her and then all the crazy shit happens instead of what we got which was sort of a weird like immediate jump from a boss battle to a boss battle um yeah and Urias
1: was clearly supposed to be more important than he was ever made out to be I I don't know there are large chunks that I feel like they got put up against a time crunch and things just didn't get finished
0: yep yeah I think that's fair um That being said, like, this is obviously like a really high budget, high concept game that like, honestly, I'm amazed it gets made in today's day and age without like copious amounts of microtransactions and bullshit like that. Like, I'm just glad to see it in the form it's in and not like a more highly commercialized version of it.
1: Yeah, they almost put no DLC out for this whatsoever. They had like one little like special items pack that you could buy for like five bucks, I think. And that was it. Like they didn't they didn't try to sell you on any other shit.
0: And like, honestly, the fact that there's someone out there that's still able to make something like this, and it's doing extremely well, like, I think this game sold like four and a half million copies at this point, like, is surprising to me, especially in a world where like, we've seen Arcane go under for not being able to sell immersive sims, my favorite genre ever. And, uh, in my opinion, like the crowning achievement of video games, more on that later yeah uh, <laughs> um but yeah i don't know it, it's just interesting to me that these games continue to sort of snowball in the way they have in recent years and i'm really happy for it there's interesting stuff here
1: for sure i'm glad you're finally coming over to the resident evil side with me i couldn't bring josh <laughs> with us but at least one of us got converted
0: yeah well you know i i have a high tolerance for camp and bullshit and fun times
1: <laughs> that's pretty much what this is so
0: amen uh, so with that, let's try and summarize our thoughts on Resident Evil Village with a three-word review.
1: My three-word review is RE8, Identity Crisis. So as a big fan of Resident Evil, Village was like a huge win on paper, but not nearly as much in practice So, it mixed some of the core DNA of a few of the best entries in the series, like we talked about RE4 and RE7. But I felt like this game never really settled into an identity of its own. So, unfortunately, Village doesn't really pick a lane until too late in the game, and then it hits its stride only after its best story beats and areas are already used up. In my opinion, the entire game, if the entire game had been uh, the castle and vampires, it would have been a much better game. And that's not to say it wasn't enjoyable. There were really cool moments in entire areas that I really liked, but in the end, this game falls in what I would say is the middle of the pack. Not the worst Resident Evil has to offer, but certainly not the best. So if you're a fan of the series, don't miss out on this. There's some really good stuff here. But if you're new to the franchise, there are better entries to check out first. I would definitely recommend RE2 Remake or RE7 first. All in all, this was a mixed bag for me, but it was a good sendoff for Ethan and a cool potential opener for future entries.
0: Yeah, totally agree. And weirdly, I have like a, I have a similar take, but the opposite side of the coin. So my three word review was a horror buffet. Resident Evil Village to me feels like four or five shorter games slammed together. Uh, most of them are horror games. A couple are maybe third-person shooters, and one is a Call of Duty game. Uh, This isn't really a knock on Resident Evil Village, though, for me, and to my estimate, it does all of those things pretty well, while not feeling too jarring as you pivot back and forth from horror disempowerment to facing down lichens and other foes that continue to feel dangerous throughout, all the way to the end. It wouldn't really be Resident Evil without a gigantic battle with a Lovecraftian mutant horror to close it out, and this game certainly delivered in that regard as well. And... While it wasn't as focused as Resident Evil 7 or RE2 Remake, it did have a buffet-like variety and hit the same high highs that even those two games had, in my opinion. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I want to say uh, thanks for listening, and if you enjoyed this podcast, feel free to share it with folks you think might enjoy it as well. And if you want to get in touch, drop us a note at pixelatedplaygrounds at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at PixelPlayPod. And for us here at Pixelated Playgrounds, I'm Brian Skershaw. And I'm Clint Jones. Take care and keep on gaming.
1: It's interesting listening to you talk about what you think Resident Evil is all about, because and having
0: co- just played the last like three years of them. <laughs>
1: yeah, well, you you've come in a, at a later time, so it's interesting to. See, I mean, this is what all the new people that are like coming to the series now feel like core
0: Resident Evil is. So it's kind of interesting to see what that perspective is too. Yeah, and you know, I'm you know, I I don't know if I'll ever get the time to go back and play like. Uh, you know, like the original remake of, or even just the the remake of Biohazard, right? Like the, you the remake of the first one. You, you uh, really
1: shouldn't. Uh, honestly, these games are were amazing in their time. RE1 classic, RE4 amazing, right. but to play them now, just uh, maybe doesn't undoable. hold up as much.
0: Yeah, no, but I, I am one that has a little bit more of a retro tolerance than you. I think I think we can both agree on that. I don't think I'm going to do it. Don't get me wrong. I have other stuff. Going on. (laughs) Trust me, it's not graphics, it's not anything else. It's
1: it's for one, the the tank controls are almost undoable. Mm. Um and then just some of the quality of life stuff. Like you couldn't save unless you went and found a save ribbon somewhere Mm. and then you Yeah, like so you have to like (laughs) Yeah, it's just not it it just doesn't play well in in today's world.
0: Yeah. No, I I get that. I'm I think I'm I'm happy to provide the perspective of someone who's, like, <clears throat> come to this series in, like, what I feel like has been its recent reboot, right? Like, to my mind, RE7 was basically this the Resident Evil team saying, we're going to try and recapture what made one special. You're exploring the mansion, the house, we're starting a new story. At the same time, they decided to have the next game that came out be Unstuck in Time and be the RE2 remake. Right? So you got one, you got a two, you got three, and now we're getting what's basically a remake of four. Yeah. So we have like the unstuck in time version of the new series. And, you know, I don't know what they're going to turn into the RE5 analog here, but I'm interested to find out.
1: I don't think they will. Um, So RE5 was a miss. It's not a bad game, but it was a miss. It's the same mechanics as four, just incredible they took the action and cranked it up three levels and then put it, you in the middle of daytime Africa. Like <laughs> it's just not as scary. Like uh, again, you are in a Gothic village. That's very horror. A desert in Africa where, you know, in the middle of the day, it doesn't make as that, much sense, right? No. And with zombies riding motorcycles, it's just like, okay, we've gone it made more far.
0: sense for far cry than it does for resident evil. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it was,
1: it was the wrong setting. They took it too far and six just, Here's a question, so though. Do you better. generally
0: agree with what I said about those, um, like that Unstuck in Time version of the new games?
1: Yeah. So I think, well, their next move is going to be a big one either way. Either they are going to remake one or they're going to be remake four. And you'll notice that they stayed away from those because those are like the two, like. They stand
0: like, out as like they hold up.
1: It's like remaking Mario 64. You would have to really do it right, otherwise everybody's going to be pissed. So I'm interested <laughs> to see which one they do they do next, because that's what's coming, I have a feeling.
0: I, I guess what I laid out is the opposite, in which they would have to remake 5, which, as you said, they would have to do some huge lifts to make it actually work, or just change what it's about entirely.
1: Yeah, 5 uh, and 6 were a step in the wrong direction, so I think that they'll back away from those.
0: I, I think that they know those are mistakes. Do people feel that way about 3, or...? I mean, there's a bunch of, like, side quills as well. Like, I don't even know anything about, them. Like-
1: three is very much in line with two, with maybe a little bit more of the chase stuff going on. <laughs> Four escalated it into action, but it was still, like, grounded action. Very much like Village. Five took it up to, like, the Call of- It was the Call of Duty level fr- from, uh, from uh, this game, but just the whole game. And then uh. six was just, like... I don't know. Just that times ten.
0: What was the name of that game where you were the guy who was basically just, like, a mutant destroying all of Manhattan? Um, It
1: was, like... Prototype?
0: Yeah, Prototype. Like, it's just gonna be Prototype, but you're Rose running around (laughs) destroying (laughs) Raccoon City or something like that.
1: I honestly don't know if I care to continue that story. Like, it was an interesting, like, end-of-credits scene, but I honestly don't know if I need to see that.
0: Yeah, I don't know either.
1: Um, Unless if she's, like, the super. Maybe she's what takes on the whole T-virus infection.
0: Maybe. I mean, I don't know. Like, what does that look like? I, that's the thing. It's like, I feel like most times when a game sets up a sequel and you know it's going to happen, you at least have some idea of where it's going to go. But we've already been promised that this is a trilogy, 7, 8, and 9. And really? it's called. I didn't know that. Apparently the leaked documents that came out of Capcom, or leaked, they weren't leaked, they were hacked. The hacked documents that came out of Capcom called it Resident Evil Apocalypse and ah, oh, so yeah that
1: okay yeah. then
0: i'm willing to bet t virus breaks out
1: and it's insane numbers of enemies and she's just a bioweapon that destroys them all maybe we we'll not see. looking if that's what it is <laughs> that's that's more towards the spectrum of resident evil that i don't subscribe to as much but we'll see <laughs> we'll see